The nightmare ends with her own beheading, her own murder at the hands of a shirtless man wearing some kind of wood-carved tribal mask. <gasps> it's just a dream, she reminds herself, but her heart hammering in her chest isn't so convinced of that yet. Her bed, the very bed where she slept in the thrall of that dream, feels like a crime scene. So she gets some distance from it and heads to the living room. Robin recognizes the need to get fully grounded in reality once again in order to shake off that residual feeling of dread that won't quite let go of her. It's the middle of the night. She doesn't expect to see anyone else up and about in the living room, so when she clicks on the overhead light, she's startled to discover someone sitting on the couch. <gasps> you scared me. What are you doing out here in the dark? I'm awake. Don't worry. I'm not sleepwalking. I just couldn't sleep. Bad dreams? Yeah. Me too. We never should have gone there. Your deja vu, your sleepwalking, and all of my dreams ever since that first night have been about that house. Mine too. One of my clients warned me about it. We just didn't know it until it was too late, and Christine keeps going back. I get this really bad feeling about her that I just can't shake. Yeah. I feel it too. Like, whatever is happening at that place has a hold on us, but it's really got its hooks in her. I died in my dream tonight. At the mansion. And the other night I dreamed about you and Christine partying with the band, and that's the night you called me to pick you up. In my dream, I was watching you from outside the house through one of the windows, and a woman leaned in behind me and whispered, You can't help them. I don't know who she was, but she felt connected somehow to the house. Like, maybe she was one of the two women that lived there in Thorne's weird little cult. I've seen her. That woman? I caught a glimpse of her in one of my dreams, lurking around the mansion grounds at night with the cats. Black hair and covered in tattoos. Are you going to do an internet search for her? Yeah. There's gotta be pics out there of Thorn and his priestesses, or whatever he called them. You said tattoos? Let me see. That's her. That's who I saw in the dream. What does this mean, Robin? This isn't good. This is not good. We've gotta get Christine out of there. I just gotta grab my phone. You're calling her now? It's three in the morning. Come on, pick up. Pick up. She's not answering? I mean, she's probably just asleep. Seven, right? Two, three, eight, four, nine, <sighs> Voicemail. So, what do we do? We're not going over there, are we? I don't think that's a good idea. Not now. No, I don't think so either. We've got to catch her in the morning. We've got to tell her. Convince her not to go back. Yeah, we do. The halls of Thorn Manor sit in silence. In these pre-dawn hours, no one or nothing stirs, and all lie fast asleep in their beds. Everyone, that is, except for Everett. In the belly of the mansion, in the lightless pit of its basement, Everett works furiously. Kneeling in the tepid dampness that coats the concrete floor, he toils away with a bucket of soapy water and a wet towel, scrubbing the floor around him. Her toes just past the edge of the crimson-tinged puddle. The tattooed woman waxes philosophical as she watches him work to erase the evidence of his brutal and violent sacrament. Just feet away, 
resting against the wall, is the axe streaked with blood and hair. Some people talk about death like it's sleep. But that's not right. It's nothing like sleep at all, actually. The dead don't dream. They just don't. You missed a spot right there. Always clean up after yourself, Everett. Own every part of it, including the aftermath. Oh, I'm so proud of you. That's something your mother never said, did she? Not even when you got signed to your first label. Isn't that just awful? But I am. I'm proud of you. Tonight, you took a very big step, Everett. I remember my first time. How I felt afterwards. <laughs> Powerful. It changes you. It does. How do you feel? Wait. Don't tell me. I already know. I'm in your head, silly boy. <laughs> You're just at the beginning. The path that lies ahead is filled with wonders. You'll see. For the rest of the band, sleep carries them through until morning. But Everett's bed, where there once were two, with its sheets pulled back like a shed skin, lies empty. As morning gives ground to the afternoon, Robin and Brianna see no trace of Christine and their anxiety sharpens into a fine point. Still nothing? Every time I call, it just goes to voicemail. And her voicemail's full, so... She hasn't come back here. We can't reach her. I don't know what to do. Maybe she just went to work. Maybe her charger's here and her phone is dead. Maybe she's just at work. She is kind of a scatterbrained like that. I'm calling her work. They should know. Mean Green Cleaning Services, how can I help you? Hi, I'm looking for Christine. Ah, I'm really sorry about that. We can arrange to send another cleaner in her place as soon as it's convenient for you. Oh, uh, no, 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 I'm not a client. I'm Christine's roommate. She hasn't come home, and I'm trying to find her. Ah, well, that makes two of us. She's dodging my calls, and she no-showed for three clients so far today. I'm assuming she's going to miss the other two on the schedule, which means I get to handle two more angry phone calls. So you're saying she's not there, huh? No, I, I don't know where she is. I, I haven't seen her. Well, when you do, tell her to swing by and pick up her final paycheck. I don't run my business like this. No call, no show, and she's out. Okay. Okay, but if you hear from her in the meantime... She hung up. This is bad. This is really bad. I can feel it. Robin. Robin! What are you doing? I can't just sit here and do nothing. You said it yourself. This doesn't feel right. Wait, you're not thinking of going over there, are you? I'm going to get her. Is that Mace? In case things get... argumentative. You can't go there alone. I wouldn't ask you. Not after what happened to you the other night. Well, I'm coming with you. Brianna. I'm coming with you. 
Okay. Okay. Her car isn't in the driveway. I don't see it anywhere. It feels like deja vu again. Like we've lived this before. You can stay in the car. You don't have to get out. Are you sure? Yeah. In fact, get your phone out. Get a video of the whole thing. I'll handle the talking. Yeah? Where's Christine? Oh, it's you. You're the girl at Dylan Bank. I need to talk to her. Now. Who? Christine! You know damn well who. Yeah, well, she ain't here. Where is she then? How the hell should I know? I'm not her keeper. No, but you're the guy she's been hanging out with every night, and now she's missing. What the hell is this? Why is your friend over there filming us? What do you, you want an autograph? If I give you one, then will you leave? I want answers. You're lying. You know where Christine is. I already told you, I don't know where that bitch went. When's the last time you saw her? She left yesterday in a hurry and she never came back. She seemed upset about something, I guess. Just got in her car and drove off without a word. Kind of like what you're about to do right now. What happened? Why was she upset? Who the hell knows? Because she's emotional? Women's stuff? That time of the month? I don't really care. As long as she keeps her drama out of my life because I'm not interested in dealing with any of that. Man, you girls came over for a good time. It was just a lay. Get over it. But you gotta turn it into some some dramatic shit like this. I don't know where your friend went, and I don't give a shit. But when you find her, tell her not to come back. I'm done. With all of you. Now get the hell out of here. What did he say? He's lying. He says he doesn't know, but he's lying. I mean, her car isn't here. He did something, Brianna. I think he did something to her. Like what? Something bad. Having answered the doorbell's call alone, Everett had no idea that its ring had drawn another set of ears. Turning away now from the door, he startles at the sight of Doug, lingering in the grand open space of the mansion's foyer. Doug, <laughs> you about gave me a heart attack, man. What are you doing creeping around here? Where is she? Huh? Where's that girl? Christine? Our cleaning lady? The one we party with? The one you've been sleeping with every night? Yeah, bitch took off, I don't know. Why'd you tell her friend that she left yesterday? She was here last night. You two went up to bed together. Huh? That's what you said, just now, that she left yesterday. But she didn't. That's not what happened. You were eavesdropping on my conversation? Why did you lie? Why did you tell her that she left yesterday? <laughs> I don't think I like what you're getting at here. I mean, if you're trying to say something, come out and say it. Say it to my face. What am I getting at, Everett? I'm just asking you a question about why you lied just now. What happened to Christine? Doug? Did you... did you do something? What did you do? You better back up. Now. Get the hell out of my face with this shit. No, I will. Yeah, you can count on that. Doug edges away, not daring to take his eyes off Everett, until he senses the staircase behind him. He marches off up the stairs into his room.
After the growing tensions festering within the ranks of the band, and now his latest confrontation with Everett, Doug has seen and heard enough. He packs his things in a hurry, stuffing them haphazardly into his bag, and orders a ride service to pick him up. He has no intention of wasting one more word on Everett or explaining his departure to the band. He simply wants to get clear of this place and all of their company. On his way out, however, he runs into Keith, the band's drummer. Hey, man, what are you doing? Doug, what's with the bags? My ride's out front. It's been real. What? What are you talking about? Whatever this is, whatever Everett's got going on here, I want no part of it. I'm out. So you're leaving? Come on, man. That's it? Are you quitting the band? What are you saying? Dude! It's Everett. He's gone off the rails, man, in a bad way. Telling you, I'm bugging out and I'm not coming back. If you're smart, Keith, you'll do the same. Uh, wait, Doug. Wait. Several years back, before he'd been promoted up through the ranks, Dwight Moreno had been the one to cite Christine for underage drinking at Tommy Dunn's house party in their senior year. When one of the boys smoking cigarettes out front announced through the doorway that the cops just pulled up, Robin and Brianna found themselves caught up in a herd of their classmates making a mad push out the back door. They managed to escape the clutches of the arriving officers, but Christine hadn't been so lucky. Moreno, the one who nabbed her, was just a uniformed officer back then. And just a few years after that, it was Officer Moreno who responded to Robin's fender bender at Tioga and State Street. This being her first accident, she trembled like a wet dog as she stood beside her car with the crumpled side panel. She shrank beneath the unwanted attention of onlookers across the street at Ithaca Commons, feeling relief when the cruiser finally pulled up. When asked what happened, she burst into tears, but Officer Moreno had been patient and his eyes kind. For that, she had always been grateful. In fact, way back when she was little, Robin had gone trick-or-treating at his house. The memory of seeing the man in plain clothes, at home amongst his family, made him feel all the more approachable now, all these years later, as she and Brianna were offered a seat before his desk. Chief Dwight Moreno read the placard that faced them from the desktop, bold black letters embossed in a bronze background. Christine Schultz? She was in my daughter's class throughout high school. A bit of a wild child. When's the last time you saw her? She hasn't been home since Saturday. During the day. And that was the last time? Yeah. Um, actually, I talked to her on Saturday around 6 o'clock, right before my shift. She came to the bar. She did? Is that unusual? She came to apologize for the night before. We'd both been visiting the band at the Thorn House, and we had a falling out. The heavy metal band. It's running the old Thorn place. Yeah. Factories of Ruin. So what you're saying is that you two had some kind of argument and now she's not coming home to the apartment. Well, we made up. And there were marks. She had fresh cuts all up the inside of her arm and bruises on her thighs. She was all marked up. She said she got them from Everett. The guy from the band. The uh, factories of... Uh... Ruin. Yeah. Chief Moreno, you have a call on line three. District Attorney Tate returning your call. Put it through to the conference room. 
I'll be right there. Excuse me, ladies. I got to take this real quick. What the hell, Brianna? What? You didn't tell me any of that. Why were you hiding that from me? I just... I wasn't hiding it. I just didn't think it was that big of a deal at the time. Christine said that Everett... They like to play rough. She made me promise not to tell you. She said it was nothing. What else are you not telling me? Nothing. That's all there was. I swear. What? That's all she said. <sighs> My apologies. Now, where were we? Everett Nicholas, the lead singer. That's who she's been hanging out with. And he's the one who cut and bruised her all up. Right, Brianna? Yeah. She said it was rough sex. But now I'm really worried about that. When she didn't come home, we went over there to talk to Everett. He claims she left Saturday night and he hasn't seen her since, but he was lying. And you're sure she's not just laying low there? I mean, you said it yourself. You had an argument. Maybe she doesn't want to come back to the apartment until things cool down some. She's not answering her phone. Her voicemail's full. She hasn't shown up to work. Something is really wrong. I can feel it. Her folks divorced a few years back, if I remember correctly. Any of them still local? She lived with her mom before we got the apartment together, but that's been a couple years now. Her mom moved to North Carolina, I think. Her father is in PA. All right. I'll tell you what. Give me their contact information. Whatever you got. It's probably nothing. But I'll take a ride over to the old Thorn place and have a word with this Everett. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Mm-hmm. If Thorn Manor were a grand tree like a sequoia or a giant oak, the basement was its root system. Beneath the soil, a hidden network running deep, stretching out its tendrils far and wide in search of sustenance. The house was, after all, a mighty beast, and the more it fed, the hungrier it grew. Ravenous, actually. And its cravings were the kind of nourishment offered by suffering and torment, nightmares and decay. Down here in the basement, evil bubbled up from the depths and bloomed into poisonous flowers. Everett, a party to his own willful corruption, basked in the stench of their rancid bouquet. That's, That's it, Everett. Reach, reach deep, deep inside, inside yourself. yourself. Deeper. Can you, Can you feel, feel that? that? I do. I do. I feel, I feel it. it. Like a like little, little bulb on a fruiting, fruiting plant. plant. Beginning, Beginning to form. You feel, you feel it, it now. Inside, inside of you. Growing. What is, what is this? What am I, what am I feeling? That, that's how power. Dreams. dreams they, grow they grow inside. inside. You can you touch, touch dreams, dreams through there. there. Just, just by, by reaching. reaching. Do you realize, Do you realize what, that what that means? means? Do you, do you realize, realize now, now what you, you can, can do? Sinner's Moon was produced by Frank Juknowitz, Sean McKnight, and William Rizzo. Written, directed, and narrated by Frank Juknowitz. Audio engineering, editing, and sound design provided by Sean McKnight. Musical supervisor, David Parsons. The title song, Sinner's Moon, was composed and performed by Elosin. This episode starred Katie Walsh as Robin, Eric Francis Malaragni as Everett, Danny Lacayos as the Tattooed Woman, Beverly Gunn as Brianna, Jason Nathaniel Overdorf as Doug, Joe Paul as Keith, 
Michael Everett Johnson as Chief Moreno, and Sandra Balk as the cleaning service owner. For full episode credits or to learn more about Sinner's Moon, visit the Sinner's Moon page on our website, frankhorror.com.